You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. I am your host, Jared Morris, excited to talk some IU basketball this week with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at AssemblyCall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries, just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. And I will begin this week's show as we begin every post-game show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment, the moment during the past week that most strongly suggested that Indiana is on the right path to hang banner number six from the rafters in Simon Scott Assembly Hall, and obviously doing a banner moment two weeks ago, uh, last week, after the, uh, the North Carolina game would have been a little bit easier. It's a little bit more challenging when Indiana has games against the likes of SIU Edwardsville and Southeast Missouri State to uh, pick apart any individual moment in a game that says, hey, this team is uh, is on track for another banner. And so I will actually move off court. And I will say the fact that OG Ananobi seems to be progressing with his ankle injury. Obviously, we saw him on crutches uh, when he first went down. And then at that Southeast Missouri State game, he's still in the boot, but off the crutches. Seems to be moving around a little bit more. Uh, you know, Tom Crean on his radio show this week sounded optimistic about OG getting back sometime soon. And it's making me think that he might be available for that Butler game, which I didn't think was likely when I first saw the injury. Now seems a little bit more likely. And so to me, getting a superstar like OG back, or a guy who certainly has the potential to be a superstar uh, for an important game like Butler that could be another resume builder for Indiana. That's something that could go a long way toward improving seating in March, and that is something that can obviously help Indiana hang that sixth banner, which we're all waiting for. All righty. Well, now let me introduce my esteemed co-hosts. To my left, we have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com. He is also the proud president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome. What was your bottoms line from the past week of IU basketball? You know, to some extent, it was just survival of, you know, getting through these couple games, a couple of 20 point wins, doing what IU was expected to do. Uh, and, and I think those are, are positive things for a team that did have that little bit of a backslide in the Fort Wayne game. Uh, obviously, a little bit different scenario than these, but they followed up a big win uh, with a couple solid performances. And I think in, in some ways that's all you can ask for. Uh, if you look a little bit beyond that, I think the play of Deron Davis was really positive. Uh, he was a guy that we looked at among the other freshmen to be able to get some additional minutes in games like these. And, and he really delivered, um, you know, arguably two of his better games that were there, got to get uh, a bit more extended minutes and did some really good work on the glass. So I thought uh, overall a really positive week for him. And uh, we also got to see the Thomas Bryant, Tom Crean uh, chest bump, which I think none of us would have anticipated. That would have been the boldest of bold predictions uh, if one of us had gone with that at the end of the last show. So uh, got to see that. And, and the guys, you know, survived a tough stretch 
uh, look like they're having fun out there. And, uh, and I thought played well for the most part, uh, save a couple stretches here and there during those couple games against uh, a couple of the cupcakes on the schedule. And to my right, we have the childhood compadre of Lakers coach Luke Walton, a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and the person voted most likely to be mistaken for Will Sheehy walking around Kirkwood on a Friday night. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? Just to clarify, if you do see me walking on Kirkwood and I'm with Will Sheehy, I'm the one without the tattoos. That's the (laughs) – just so you can tell us apart. Um You know, I thought my takeaway was really over the last two weeks was the fact that this team had to play four games in eight days, which I thought was, uh, you know, I I know that the scheduling gets tweaked and stuff with the Big Ten ACC Challenge and all that, and it's not all on these guys and uh, on the guys making the schedule, and they have to fit in a certain amount of home games to get the attendance and get the money and all that stuff. But it was really tough on the players, and you could see it. There were times in those games, uh, especially SIU, Edwardsville, and Southeast Missouri State, you could just see they were tired. They were worn down. And luckily, Indiana's deep enough to deal with that and and give minutes to other guys. But, you know, that's rough on college kids to play four games in eight days. And then coming up, starting with the Butler game, they play Butler, Delaware State, and Austin P. three games in six days uh, from December 17th to the 22nd. I mean, that's a rough schedule for these kids. I realize we're moving towards the Big Ten, and they're going to have to play really intense games in a short period of time. But that's rough, and I'd like to see the schedule spaced out a little differently, especially now that this week they have a week off and then another week off to play Butler. Um, so maybe some kind of way to mix that up would be better for these kids just because I think that you're seeing them get worn down. You don't want them to get worn down before Big Ten play starts. I mean, getting worn down is what Big Ten play is for. It's I mean, that is a week-to-week thing where you're battling fatigue. And so I feel like they were a little run down by the, by the end of these last two games. As Andy said, they did what they were supposed to do, You know, won those games solidly going away, got a lot of reserves, some playing time. Uh, but I thought it was rough on them, and, and I thought you could see that. So hopefully they're able to sort of catch a second win this week before Houston Baptist uh, Saturday and then uh, are able to, to rest up for Butler as well. Yeah, on the bright side, I mean, they do have now a 13-day stretch with only one game in there, and it's against Houston Baptist, so that's a nice way to recover from a tough stretch. All right, well, we have a great show planned for you this week. We're going to tell you what, if anything, we learned from Indiana's wins over SIU, Edwardsville, and Southeast Missouri State. Uh, Then we're going to tip our caps to the end of the semester in Bloomington by doling out some midterm grades of our own now that we are one quarter of the way through the season. We're going to go player by player and give out letter grades based on each guy's performances through eight games. We will tell you our picks for Team MVP, biggest surprise and biggest disappointment thus far, and we'll close, as always, with our bold predictions for the upcoming week. Uh, There's only one game, and it's against another cupcake, but that just means that we have to get even bolder with our predictions Oh, and you won't want to miss how Ryan actually missed his bold prediction this week. It's crazy. Uh, Hey, I want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com. If you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their product so much that we move production of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, care about their customers, and take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. 
All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's jump in. What, if anything, did we learn from these two games last week against SIU Edwardsville and Southeast Missouri State? You know, both teams hovering right around that 300 mark in Ken Palm. What did we learn? Ryan, did we learn anything? Yeah, I think I think one thing that has been overlooked is the fact that OG Ananobi didn't play. And the team looked fine. You know, it didn't seem like they struggled to figure out how to replace him. It seemed like Jawan Morgan stepped right into that role, played sort of the Swiss Army knife role, uh, and and played well. And and really, you saw his game elevate back to where we expected it to be earlier in the season. More on that later. But uh, I think that they just came out. And they also, I, I think, they looked like a team that could – focus after a big win against North Carolina. And I thought that was the issue in the Fort Wayne game. They didn't really seem refocused after that Kansas game. Uh, they had played a couple games, but it just didn't ever seem perfect. And it seemed like they were really, you know, didn't get too high after that North Carolina win or relax at all. And then they, they played the way they were supposed to. Andy, what do you think? Did we learn any lessons of importance? You know, one of the things that stood out to me was that IU was able to take advantage uh, of a big area of advantage for them heading into the games. And even in the quick previews that we did last week, we talked about how neither team really had a lot of size and and would IU be able to take advantage of that inside. And there have certainly been times when IU has has been uh, content to shoot threes and, and not really push the ball inside as much. And I thought they did a really good job of that. You know, they shot you know, 55% on twos in the first game. And I think close to 60, maybe even over 60 uh, in the second and their balance of shots between twos and threes was a little bit uh, shifted more in the, in the two point column before I thought those were positives Um, grabbed over 40% of their misses in both games. So did a nice job on the glass and didn't give up uh, a ton of uh, offensive rebounds on the other end. So I think, you know, while that seems like an easy thing to do, uh, it certainly can be easy to get caught up in these games just the same uh, and go away from areas that you have an advantage because you feel like you can just do whatever you want. So I thought they did a good job of really playing to their strengths, uh, taking advantage of that that height advantage uh, that they had inside and uh, and overall played well. But other than that, uh, short of, you know, nobody getting injured, uh, which for this team is, is no small feat, it seems. Uh, I don't know that there's a ton to take away. And we did get the animated gif of Tom Crean chest-bumping Thomas Bryant, as you mentioned, Andy, which is worth those two games. True. No True. question. All righty. Well, coming up with the season now a quarter of the way over, we go player-by-player player down Indiana's roster and give out midterm grades. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And with everybody in Bloomington scrambling this week and next with the end of the semester and finals coming up, we figured that we would tip our cap and hand out some midterm grades of our own with a quarter of the season in the books. And so we're going to go player by player uh, and hand out our grades as we see them thus far into the season. And I will start uh, with Grant Galon. And, you know, look, for Grant, not a lot was expected this season. He came out and airballed his first three-pointer. He's one for two since then, uh, has been pretty solid, hasn't turned the ball over since he's been in there. So I'm going to give Grant a C because he's done kind of what's been asked of him, but not a lot has been asked of him. So a C for Grant Galon. And we will go over now to Ryan, who has a number of fun facts prepared for Tim Priller. But Tim Priller gets an A plus for the year, by the way. And I'm not, I'm not joking. Given what was expected, we're grading on a curve here. 
Tim Priller in 15 minutes this season has seven points and nine rebounds, which best his totals from his entire career so far. Uh, I think it's fair to note for Tim that he's averaging more points and more rebounds per game than Zach McRoberts who has actually started games this year and who has averaged 10.6 minutes per game. Tim in three minutes is averaging 1.4 points at 1.8 rebounds. He's shooting 50% from the field, 75% from the free throw line. There you go. Tim Priller. He's uh he's certainly getting an A plus from me. A plus. That was an excellent series of fun facts. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Andy, your grade for Zach McRoberts. Uh, he's an interesting one because I think if you grade it on the apparently what we were expecting from him in the season, he's probably in the A range. I'm going to put him around a a B to a B plus. I think because he stepped in and been able to take more minutes than anybody would have expected coming in. Uh, if you look at plus minus per minute um, to try to normalize for guys who who may not play a lot, uh, he's actually the best on the team by a pretty wide margin. I, I looked at some of this today, so he's actually like plus point eight two points per minute, which. I don't really have a gauge for how good that is, but it's certainly the best on the team. Seems pretty good uh, for a minute he's out there. So while he, you know, didn't play, guy that didn't even play in the Kansas game, uh, has come on and he's been uh, positive plus minus last six games, double digits uh, in three of those. So I think he's been more than expected. I would love to see him shoot a little bit more. He's two for four from three. He just hasn't uh, taken a lot of shots in general. But I thought he's given IU some good minutes in uh, in a couple big spots and uh, has exceeded expectations to this point so far. Hey, and I should mention, as you listen, tweet us at Assembly Call if you want to give us your grades for each player. Send us a tweet at Assembly Call. We love your feedback. I'll give my grade for Devontae Green, uh, and I'm going to have to give Devontae a D. And I think there's plenty of room for improvement with Devontae. But an offensive rating under 100, one of the few Hoosiers to have one, a turnover rate of 34%. And I think after we saw Devontae really come on strong in the preseason, we expected more. He seems to be rushing a little bit, forcing things. Uh, would like to see him get into a rhythm, but we just haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to give Devontae a D and certainly hope and expect, expect that will improve as we move forward. Uh, Ryan, your grade for Freddie McSwain. Well, I don't want anyone to get offended here. Uh, I'm giving Freddie a D minus, but it's a 60% and 60% as I know well from college, that'll pass you a class. It's a a very little known fact, but uh, Freddie so far this year, uh, his offensive rating and and for non-statniks out there, about 100 is considered average and he's at a 66.2. Uh, he's, he's, his turnover rate is 37, uh, his effective field goal percentage is only 37.5, which, which is just sad. Uh, so Freddie's, he's, he's a ball of energy out there, but it's not well-directed energy necessarily. He's been rebounding well, uh, and he's been very active, but, uh, he's six of 16 from the field and, uh, should never take a shot outside of 10 feet, especially at this point, if they want to develop that over the next year, great. But uh, right now, that is not something he should be doing. And he's, he's settling for a lot of jumpers right now. So I, I think I'd like to see him rein that in. Okay. Andy, Curtis Jones came on strong in game one. What grade do you give him? Uh, if we were grading on the first game, he would be probably over an A+, plus, uh, given the big plays he made in that one. I had him at a at a B to a B minus outside of that. I think he had took some really bad shots in the Carolina game, let things uh, you know kind of got caught up in the moment of what was going on. Um, but overall, has really been pretty solid. Um, struggled in the Fort Wayne game as everybody did, but uh, I think overall he's been he's been decent. Thirty five percent from three, forty eight percent from two. Uh, one of the only guys who's really shot well from the free throw line. So I think that's been a positive. Uh, turnover rate isn't terrible. Uh, certainly given what we've seen from other guys on the team. So I'm going to put him in that range 
Uh, definitely bolstered by that performance against Kansas, though. All right, I'm up next with Juwan Morgan, and Juwan leads Indiana right now in offensive rating. He leads Indiana in offensive rebounding percentage. Uh, his field goal percentage has obviously gone up, going 12 for 12 the last couple of games. And so it would be really easy to give him an A, but I think we have to remember how Juwan really did not play well against Fort Wayne and had a couple of games there where he just didn't play like we know he's capable of playing. So, you know, going to give him a little bit, cut him a little bit of slack. He was recovering from that shoulder injury, uh, but I'm going to give him a B, uh, and I fully expect him to be at an A uh, as we go through Big Ten season, because as you know, he's my pick for Big Ten sixth man of the year. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if he gets there. Um, Ryan, you're great for Deron Davis thus far in the year. I'm going to give Deron a B plus, and the only reason it's not an A is because I kind of expect him to be even better than he's been right now. Uh, the last two games, he was fantastic. 14 points in each game, a uh, total of eight rebounds. You've seen him start to block some shots as well, through block shots in those games. He's had, uh, what was it now, seven block shots in the last four games. Um, he played huge minutes against North Carolina. Even though he only played 13, he looked great in that game. Uh, so far this year, 7.1 points, three rebounds, uh, but he's shooting six, uh, 61% from the field. He's making free throws at 73%. Um, just really playing solid basketball, and he's a guy that I think is going to be a huge contributor to this team down the stretch. Hmm. You should have mentioned something about uh, your expectations for Deron Davis. Oh, you mean that I called for, it months ago? I've heard anything that be, about that. He'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what, why it slipped my mind. I don't know. I don't know. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, we are going through player by player and giving our grades for Indiana's players here as we sit a quarter of the way through the season. Andy, let's go over to you and let's get your grade for Josh Newkirk. Uh, he has been. I feel like we've described him as kind of a, a mixed bag. Uh, on many of the postgame shows, and these stats will uh, will back that up. So if you want to look at the positives, he's the best in overall plus minus on the team at 108. He has been of the uh, there's five lineups that have been better than plus one point per minute. Just kind of a cutoff I used. He's been in all five of them. Uh, and so he's done a lot of good things. His assist rate's been solid, um, particularly, you know, recently. I think he's done a good job of getting getting other guys involved. Um tied for the most games with uh, plus 20 or better with three games. Um, now, if you want to look at the negative side, he's also, uh, I mentioned he was in the five kind of best per minute lineups. He's also been in four of the five worst. He's shooting uh, 35% on twos and shooting better than we thought from three point range and under 60% from the line. So all that adds up to me for a B minus, I'm going to say. Uh, I think in some ways he's been better than we thought, but in other ways he hasn't been great. His offensive ratings hovering right around that 100 mark that Ryan mentioned. So I think a weird kind of balancing act for him where there's some things that you look at statistically, he's been really good. Some things on the floor, he's been really good, like his defense on Joel Berry and other things he's really struggled with. So I'm putting him in the B minus to, to maybe B range. Well, I would not have expected him to be Indiana's leader in plus minus. That's a, uh... That's interesting. Um, I will go next with James Blackman Jr. And I'm going to give James a B plus. And it's a B plus only because I think it's fair to expect more from him. But I think James has been terrific. He's shooting 40% from three-point range. He's 56.2% on his twos. He's 81.8% from the line. So his shooting is all there. But what's been most impressive is, number one, the leadership and the timeliness of his shot making. He hasn't shot great 
against lesser opponents, but he was dynamite against Kansas and made the biggest shot of the game against North Carolina. And that was huge because Indiana really needed those shots. And when Tom Crean said he wanted his guards to start rebounding better, who stepped up and led that effort but James Blackman Jr., who is actually second on Indiana in defensive rebounding percentage. Thomas Bryan is 18.2%. James Blackman is 18%. And so very easily, I think, could give him an A. I'm going to give him a B plus simply because I think it's fair to expect more from him on the defensive end and to continue growing. But James has been dynamite so far this year coming back from that knee injury. Uh, next up, we go over to Ryan for the aforementioned Thomas Bryant. I've got Thomas with a B. Uh, I think that there have been some positives and some negatives this year. I think his numbers aren't necessarily where people expected them, but when you look at it, he's been in double figures, five games. He's got four double figure rebounding games, three double doubles, um, on the season, he's averaging 12.3 points, 7.9 rebounds. He's also averaging 1.3 assists, 1.6 blocks. Uh, he's shooting 50% from the field. We expe- I expect that to go up as the season goes on and they get him more post touches. Um, but he's shooting 76% from the free throw line, which is great. And he's also shooting 40% from behind the arc. Uh, additionally, on top of that, I think his defense has been much improved this year. I think he's altering a lot of shots that won't show up in the box score that he's not necessarily blocking, but is, you know, scaring guys when they're driving into the lane. And uh, I think he's been really at the heart of everything Indiana's done, even though other guys are averaging more points and, and, uh, you know, higher efficiency ratings and all that. I think Thomas Bryant is at the heart, everything Indiana has done so far. All right, well, this is unfair. Andy, your grade for Robert Johnson. A plus. Biased. Shut it down. Biased. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I, I'll give Robert an A minus. And all, all kidding aside, I think he's uh, you know, really played well, continued to improve his offensive game. His offensive rating continues to rise, as we talked about last week. He's shooting 70% on twos, 43% from the three-point line. Uh, and his assist rates climbed up a little bit, even with, you know, other guys ho- handling the ball and some of the non-statistical things we talked about him trying to take more of a leadership role. And so I think uh, I think those are good. The negatives, the free throw shooting, not great. Also, just not getting to the line uh, a great deal. He's only gotten there 14 times and, and only made eight of those. The turnovers at times have still been a concern, even though that's been better. So I think room to grow there. Uh, but certainly for him, I think he's uh, he, he's really stepped up heading into his junior season and uh, poised to, to do even more as the rest of the season goes along. OG Ananobi is next, and I'm going to give OG a B-. Uh, and I think right now the hype is a little bit ahead of the production and I think OG was a little bit up and down there for the first few weeks of the season. And obviously he was ill in the Fort Wayne game. And so, you know, it kind of has to get an incomplete there. But I like the trend because I thought OG played his best game against North Carolina. I thought for large stretches of that game, he was Indiana's best player on the floor and was aggressive in all the ways that you want him to be aggressive. And he's being effectively aggressive as his 73% shooting on two-point uh, field goals shows. And hopefully he starts taking more of those and, and falls a little bit less in love with his three-point shooting. Um, and obviously the defense is there. So a B minus uh, for OG Ananobi. And again, it's kind of in comparison to what we expect. And I think it's fair to expect even more from OG as we move forward. All right, guys, quickly, as we wrap up this segment, let's kind of do a bonus here. And let's talk about Tom Crean and give him uh, a grade for the job that he's done so far. Uh, Ryan, what would you give Tom Crean? 
Well, I think because of the Fort Wayne loss, you have to give him a B. Uh, I, but other than that, I mean, if not for that loss on the road to Fort Wayne, I think it's got to be an A, just given who Indiana has beaten. They took down Kansas, took down North Carolina. And, you know, those weren't fluke wins. Indiana hung with those teams the entire game, led the whole way against North Carolina, was counterpunching with a great Kansas team all game, and then has dominated the games they're supposed to dominate. Outside of the Fort Wayne game, this team has done everything it was supposed to do and has been fantastic. So I think all while trying to incorporate new pieces, I think that's the most impressive part is guys finding a new role. So I got to give them a B and that is severely diminished by the Fort Wayne loss without that Fort Wayne loss. I think it's an A easy. Andy quickly, what would you give uh, coach green? Uh, I'll say B plus I'd I'd echo a lot of what Ryan said, but I think he's done a good job of of pushing buttons and trying to find different lineup combinations that are going to work with Hartman out. Uh, and so I think, you know, putting McRoberts in some of these situations, he's proven that he can uh, he can at least give him some good minutes. And uh, the way he's been able to kind of bring along some of the freshmen, I think, has been good with, you know, letting Deron Davis play a little bit more uh, and, and really trying to bring those guys along slowly that hopefully will pay dividends later in the season. Interesting. So Indiana seven and one, one of the best resumes in the country, a top 10 team. And for the vast majority of the guys who are playing the most minutes, we're giving them B's, which to me suggests that there is a lot of room for growth for this team, which is kind of scary given what they've already accomplished. Uh, But I guess I mean that scary in a good way, scary for their opponents, because I think we all agree that there's a lot of room for this team to grow. All right. Uh, Coming up. It is part two of our midterm grades for the Hoosiers. We each make our picks for team MVP, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, and more. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. listening to the assembly call presented by hoosierproud.com where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique stylish way to display their pride in being a hoosier i'm jared morris talking iu basketball with my co-host on the assembly call iu postgame show andy bottoms and ryan phillips join us after every iu basketball game and every friday right here for assembly call radio all right gentlemen let's finish up our midterm grades and we will start with our picks For team MVP, uh, I don't think it's going to be any surprise that I'm going to go with James Blackman Jr. I've been seeing his praises the last couple of games, and for all the reasons uh, that I mentioned earlier. I mean, I think he's hit the two biggest shots for Indiana this season, the big shot down the stretch against Kansas, the huge shot when Indiana was only up five but was losing momentum against North Carolina that really turned things around. And I think he, in a lot of ways, he's leading by example for Tom Crean. So uh, uh, for a team that is really missing the shot-making of Yogi Ferrell and that offensive ability, James has stepped up and provided something that Indiana can't really get anywhere else. And so he is my MVP. Uh, Ryan, who's your MVP? Well, you can keep all that high scoring and exciting three point shooting and all that. I'm going with the guy who plays the best defense on the team, and that's Robert Johnson. Uh, and and you know what, <laughs> Rojo, despite his you know the fact that we look at him as a defensive stopper, he's second in the team in scoring. He's averaging 12.8 points a game, 4.3 rebounds a game. He and Blackman, to give Blackman credit have both rebounded the ball really well this year. 2.8 assists a game. He's shooting 55.7% from the field and 43.2% from three, He's which makes him IU's highest percentage three-point shooter. Uh, he struggled at the free throw line, which he needs to get better, as Andy pointed out earlier in the show, 57.1%. But the guy is a defensive stopper, and against North Carolina, he was the guy that everybody was looking to to, to sort of 
get them organized defensively and play harder defensively, stop dribble penetration. Uh, and, and he's also shown leadership skills. As you've mentioned on some of our shows, Jared, he seems to be finally really embracing that leadership role. And, uh, you know, it's showing, and, and I th- I think he is easily the MVP so far. Uh, Blackman scoring has been great, um, but I think that the guy who does it on both ends of the floor is, is Robert Johnson. Andy, what about you? You want to break the tie, or do you have someone else that you want to choose? In a stunning turn of events, I'm not going to agree with Ryan and pick Robert Johnson. Uh, I'm going to say OG, actually. Uh, I, I think you look at the game, you know, the one thing that we all look back on that, that really is the the biggest you know black mark on the season so far has been that Fort Wayne loss and he's the guy who wasn't wasn't healthy and really couldn't contribute in that game and I think you know it's certainly been said multiple times since then but IU doesn't lose that game if he's uh if he's at 100 percent and playing well and I think his two games he played after that uh would certainly back that up you know his 21 points eight rebound rebounds against Mississippi Valley State he was just fantastic in that game did things you know, both inside and out. And then against North Carolina, against, a, you know, obviously far better competition, 16 points, five rebounds, uh, just played, you know, one or again, arguably one of his better games as a Hoosier. And I think we've seen him uh, start to learn in some of these games after shooting only threes against Kansas, uh, how to balance out and use his skills well based on the matchup and who he's got guarding him. And so I think he started to figure that out. And, and obviously we hope he gets back healthy soon. But to me, uh, I use probably undefeated if uh, if he isn't sick for that game. And so to me, we're talking about value. I think that that loss, unfortunately, uh, underscores just how valuable he is. It's kind of crazy. We each just picked someone different for team MVP. And none of us mentioned the guy who is probably Indiana's best overall player, which is Thomas Bryant. So as we transition here to biggest surprise, I was going to talk about my biggest prize is going to be Deron Davis and how steadily he's improved and become a key rotation piece, you know, despite not getting to campus until the day before classes started. But now I'm starting to think it's maybe my biggest surprise is just kind of how under the radar Thomas Bryant is going. Because if you look at Indiana's Ken Palm page and you look at all the yellow numbers under the players' names and yellow numbers indicate national rankings for particular stats, no one has more than Thomas Bryant. I mean, this is a guy, you know, he's only shooting 53.3% this year on twos, not his ridiculous 70% from last year. So maybe people are, I don't know, disappointed about that. Um, But his rebounding numbers are up. Uh, You know, his block numbers are up. His steal numbers are up. I think he's been much better defensively. And so my biggest surprise is just kind of how under the radar it feels like Thomas Bryant is. Uh, And I think, you know, if he continues to have uh, performances like what we saw against Southeast Missouri State, where he wasn't scoring, but he stuffed the stat sheet in so many other ways. um, You know, once he starts doing that and combine that with the scoring, I think he'll get maybe a little bit more of the attention he deserves. But that's my biggest surprise. Andy, what's yours? Uh, You know what? I I was looking at those two things. So I'm going to take Deron Davis since you uh, you you backed off of that one slightly. Uh, I, I think, you know, coming into the season, you knew, especially after the Hartman injury, I think everybody felt really comfortable with the trio of Thomas, OG, and Juwan in the front court. And beyond that, I don't think anybody knew what to expect. And, um, you know, while Davis, as you said, you know, didn't get to campus till late, um, you see more and more uh, every single, you know, every single game with him played arguably his two best games of the of the season uh, in the in these last two games. And you just start to see him really get it. We talked about how smart he was and. Um, you know, kind of always seems to make the right play like he did in the end of the North Carolina game. And uh, I, I just think he's he's been really impressive and a guy who is easy to look forward to what he's going to become after being in this program uh, from both a just conditioning and an overall skill standpoint. And so he's a he's an exciting one uh, to me and has really solidified that front court that that seemed a little bit, at least from a depth perspective, uncertain in the wake of the Hartman injury. 
Well, Andy, you happen to be on a show with a guy a couple times a week who uh, pretty much told you to expect all of that for Deron Davis. So you shouldn't be surprised, buddy. The, I'm sorry. The implication, I'm, I'm sorry. the implication there is that I'm listening to you when that's, uh, when that's you're fair on the show. So that hey, how did how did Noah Vonleh's sophomore year work out? Just curious. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's doing great in the NBA too. By the way. It's, <laughs> Uh, well, if I'm going to go ahead and just jump in on, on my biggest surprise, since, uh, these two jokers like to, uh, throw stuff at me, I, I, I would say beating both Kansas and North Carolina was my biggest surprise so far. I, I thought that maybe Indiana could win one of those games. I, I had North Carolina targeted since it was at home. And I figured that Kansas game just with everything they had going on to replace guys, how many young guys, all that stuff. I didn't think they could win that game. Uh, the, the fact that they got up for both games and came out and turned in outstanding performances against both uh, teams was really impressive. And that's my biggest surprise so far. I did not think they would win both those games. Hey, and let us know who your team MVP, who your biggest surprise is. Again, tweet us at Assembly Call. We love your feedback uh, as we do the show. Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we are going through, and this is kind of our midterm grade episode. And we're talking about our MVP, biggest surprise. And now we're going to get to our biggest disappointment. Uh, I have two of them. One is Devontae Green for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. I just after how much he exploded on the scene in the preseason, I expected more and have just been disappointed that he hasn't really been able to be a valuable rotation piece yet. And my other biggest disappointment is that we don't yet have kind of our player nickname yet for this season. By this point last year, Ryan had already coined the Max Better Than Advertised Bielfeld nickname, and uh, we're still looking for this year's. So uh, I'm a little disappointed, Ryan, that you haven't come up with anything yet. I'm working on it. I'm working on a few things. We'll see. Maybe by the Butler game, I'll, I'll be able to unveil something. But, well, you know, because I tried to unveil one and it kind of hit like a ton of bricks. We won't mention yeah. that. Let's go on. Andy, your biggest disappointment. Uh, this probably is going to sound a little bit hokey, but I, I would say not being able to see Colin Hartman out there in his senior season so far. Um, it, you know, obviously a really tough injury for him. It sounds like he's doing all the right things off the court, trying to help people coach from the sidelines. Uh, which I think is terrific. But, uh, you know, if in a team that, you know, he's the lone senior, uh, a team that's really talented and, and has a, a high ceiling, as we all believe, e- even without him on the court, uh, definitely disappointing that he, he can't be out there. Maybe that changes. Uh, I certainly don't know, you know, the extent of what happened. And maybe he ends up taking a medical redshirt and being back next year. But uh, disappointed not to see him out there because I think he could really bring a lot to this team kind of in that, you know, McRoberts role, but a guy who's not afraid to take those shots and can do a little bit more when he's out there. Yeah, that's a good one, Andy. Uh, Ryan, your biggest disappointment. Yeah, that was good, Bottoms, I got to say. Uh, give you the hat tip over here. Uh, my biggest disappointment, and, and this is going to come with a huge you know, caveat, is it's Juwan Morgan. And I think Juwan is playing very well right now. But what my disappointment is is how up and down he's been and how it hasn't been consistent. Because if you asked me before the season who would be the most consistent player on the team, I would have told you Jawan Morgan. So he had a, a, a few games stretched there, maybe about four games, where he just did not play well. And uh, that's really started to turn around, consequently, since the uh, since the OG Ananobi injury. He's really settled into a role and looks like the guy we thought he'd be this year the, over these last two games. Hopefully that keeps up. But he's just sort of been up and down on a guy looking like he was having issues finding his role early in the season. And, uh, you know, now it seems like he's got that turned around. But I, until these last two games, he had been easily my biggest disappointment. 
I think it makes sense that the guy that you would stake your reputation to and your bold prediction when he fails you, as he did, that you would make him your biggest disappointment. Well, we'll get into that oh, in the next oh, segment. Yeah, we're going to get into that, and, and we're going to have – I'm calling shenanigans on this one. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, real quick, guys, let's close this out. The biggest thing that needs to change as we move forward for Indiana to, to compete for and win a Big Ten title, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit of turnovers. We know the turnovers have to improve both Indiana's ability to force them and they're, they're obviously not turning it over so much. So no need to belabor that point. Uh, Ryan, what's your biggest thing that needs to change? I think they got to get Thomas Bryant more touches in the post. It seems like when Deron Davis is in there, uh, there's a concerted effort to get him the ball on the block. He gets great post position. So I, I, you know, that opens him up more, but Bryant gets great post position too. And I feel like there's a tendency for him to drift out to the perimeter a little bit. And I think he needs to start getting into the mode where it's like, you know what? No, I'm going right there to the block. I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to score and, and demanding it from his teammates, not in a forceful way, but just, Demand the ball. Just say, hey, guys, find me. I'm open. Um, because one-on-one, he can beat anybody nationally from the post. Uh, the key for him is also going to be when he does get those post touches to know when the double team's coming, kick it out to the right guy, all that stuff. But I just think we need to see him with the ball, with his back to the basket, on the block more, especially if Indiana's going to win games in the Big Ten. Andy, biggest thing that needs to change for you? I think it's perimeter defense and, and more specifically than that, stopping dribble penetration. Uh, that's certainly been an issue at times, even against some of the lesser opponents. Uh, although I thought the effort that, that Newkirk in particular showed uh, against Joel Berry in that North Carolina game was was terrific. And guys really came out uh, intent on on stopping that aspect of Carolina's game and slowing them down. So I think we've seen glimpses that they can turn that around and fix it. Um, but I think it's something that, you know, when they really struggled defensively, that was a huge part of it. And I think we've still seen that at times um, this season. So uh, other than the things that you guys said, that's the one I would I would pick up on. I thought Ryan made a good point about Deron Davis. It just seems like for whatever reason, there there's a different level of uh, intent to get him the ball when he posts up. And I'm not really sure what dictates that. Some of that is when he and Brian are on the floor together. Um, but, yeah, I think if there's some things that they can they can kind of bottle up from that standpoint and get him to Brian, I think that would uh, that would bode well. For sure. well, well, clearly Tom Crean and Indiana's guards have listened to the assembly call and they heard from Ryan that they should get this guy, Deron Davis, the ball. That's clearly had the biggest. I mean, here. you don't bring him out from Colorado not to not to do anything when he's on the floor. Give him the ball. Let the it's kid true. play. That is true. All righty. Well, coming up in our final segment, it's time for our weekly bold prediction segment. Get ready for a fight. That is all I'm going to say. That's next on the assembly call. Stay with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And, fellas, it is time for bold predictions. And to begin, let's review our bold predictions from last week. I predicted that Devontae Green and Curtis Jones would average 20 combined points during the two games. And as close as I came in my bold prediction last week, that's pretty much as far as I was away this week as those two guys simply did not do that. They didn't get their scoring going. So I did not get my bold prediction right. Andy, you predicted that Deron Davis would average 12 points and six rebounds. He averaged 14 points and four rebounds. So close. The sum total of 20 or of, of 18 there, you had that, but just not quite the right uh, delineation. So you 
like me last week, came very close, but no. And then Ryan, he said that Juwan Morgan would go back to being Juwan Morgan. Obviously, he did not get this even close to right because Juwan Morgan was way better uh, than Juwan Morgan. And in fact, Andy, you uh, you sent me an email that kind of summed it up pretty well. Do you want to read that email real quick for why Ryan is not uh, being given credit for this week's bold prediction? Uh, yes, I'd be happy to. <clears throat> In the first 36 games of his IU career, Juwan Morgan was perfect from the floor on seven occasions, taking no more than two shots in any of those games. In those 36 games, Morgan averaged three points and 2.8 rebounds with no double-doubles and just one double-digit scoring performance. During the two games last week, Morgan finished a perfect 10-for-10 on twos and 2-for-2 on threes, averaging 14.5 points and 6.5 rebounds. He also notched his first career double-double and scored in double figures in each game. So if, in fact, Juwan Morgan was supposed to get back to being Juwan Morgan, as Ryan suggested, it would seem that his play this week far surpassed what we could have reasonably expected, rendering his bold prediction inaccurate. Inaccurate. That sounds like a note note from the phone company or something, like when you haven't paid your bill in a few weeks. Look, the the idea was Juwan Morgan was going to go back to being the guy we expected him to be at the beginning of the year, who was going to be one of the special players at Indiana, as Don Fisher had said. He was clearly that. This is, I again, no, no, no. that is is exactly not what you said. If you had said that, you would get it. You said Juwan Morgan would go back to being Juwan Morgan. For those who li- actually listen to the show, Morris, and I know you don't listen to anything I say, uh, I explained what I meant. He was going to go back to that guy that made a huge impact on games, and he was going to fill the OG Ananobi role, and he was going to go back to being the guy that we expected him to be at the beginning of the season and saw in practice and saw in the preseason, and he did. This is absolutely – I am protesting so to I- whoever – this is a risk I, you take I believe, when you make nebulous, you make nebulous <laughs> predictions that no one can actually, you put your actually trust, understand. You put your trust in your co-hosts. And your co-hosts... Clearly mis- look, your co-host showed you the respect of listening to exactly what you said and trusting that you meant exactly what you said. And Andy's email, I thought, summed it up perfectly. And yeah, we, you know what? It, thing. Here's the thing about that. That was my first mistake. But I also trusted you guys to be honest and understand. Clearly, that was wrong. Clearly, that was this should have been my rant. Why did I even do anything else? This is I mean, this is absolutely absurd. This is uh, I feel like this is from a couple years ago when we like said that you picked Rutgers for that one game that you weren't here for. Hey, that's... Yeah, they did that to me. So those who, those who haven't listened, one game I had a family uh, commitment and couldn't be on the sh- the preview show for the Rutgers game, which shouldn't. I mean, look, previewing a Rutgers game. I don't even know why we did that, but previewing <laughs> a Rutgers game, uh, IU Rutgers. And since I wasn't on the show, I emailed my prediction for the game for our pick'em, and they did not accept that because I wasn't on the show. So they made me pick Rutgers. So when the pick'em at the end of the year, I should have won. Instead, we all tied. I got one wrong all year and another one that was Rutgers, and they would not give me credit for it. This is the same thing. I'm one for one this year in bold predictions. You may have me listed at 0-2, but the fans know. The people listening know. One for one, baby. You're just mad because you guys are wrong. So the current standings, a three-way tie. Jared, 0-2. Ryan, 0-2. Andy, 0-2. You're listening to the Assembly Column. Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and 0-2 Ryan Phillips. And we're about to give you our bold predictions now for the upcoming week in Indiana basketball. Uh, So Indiana plays Houston Baptist on Saturday, only one game. Uh, Real quick, Houston Baptist ranked 232nd on offense. They're 283rd on defense. The only thing they really do well is their 18th in offensive block percentage. So maybe that's just because they don't get close to the rim very often. They don't get the shots blocked. Uh, They're 97th in three-point percentage. That's the only other stat where they're in the top 100. 
and they give up a 61% shooting percentage on two-point field goals, which is 345th in the country. Andy, anything else that we need to know about Houston Baptist heading into this game? Uh, the only other couple things I would add, they only have one win over a Division One team, which was St. Peter's this week. Uh, and then in, in terms of other teams they played, they lost by 26 to Texas Tech, 16 to New Mexico, 22 to Marquette, and 13 uh, at Rice. So um, they do have a decent amount of uh, experience uh, of their top five scorers. There's four seniors and one junior, and they've got uh, 10 guys averaging double-digit minutes. So they'll they'll play a number of guys, but again, uh, they've got they've got one big guy, uh, Josh Ibarra, uh, he's a six eleven guy, but nobody else over six seven. Uh, maybe one other guy over six seven actually even plays, and even their guards are pretty small. So it should be another case where he's got a big size advantage, which likely uh, will lead to that uh, two point percentage not going down very far uh, for Houston Baptist defensively. All right, well, we're going to give you our bold predictions. We want you to give uh, us yours. Tweet us at Assembly Call with your bold prediction for IU's game against Houston Baptist. Uh, let's start with Ryan. Ryan, we'll give you a chance to redeem yourself for last week. And the question is, will you choose something that can be quantified, or will you leave your fate in the hands of your co-hosts yet again? I'm still calling shenanigans on this one. You have not heard the last of this prediction, uh, of, the, of last week's prediction. Anyway, uh, this week I am going with that I think Thomas Bryant's going to pick up his fourth double-double of the season. He's sort of slowed down offensively a little bit the last two games. Uh, I think he's going to come out and play well, but I also think he's going to dominate the glass. Uh, I think it's sort of going to be a you know, resettling of the uh, of the pieces for IU, and I think he's going to step up and, and play a really good game. And he's had at least 10 rebounds in four of Indiana's eight games this year uh, and been in double digits in five of Indiana's eight games this year. So, um, eh, I mean, I guess that's bold enough. We'll we'll give that to you as a bold prediction. (laughs) Andy, your bold prediction. Yeah, definitely bold area. Tall man scores lots of points, gets lots of rebounds against team allowing opponents to shoot 60 percent from two points. You're just mad. I jumped on it before you did bottoms. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, I'm going to say IU scores 100. Uh, in the game, if you look at Houston Baptist, they've come close to giving up 100 in some of these other games I mentioned. 93 to Texas Tech, 95 to New Mexico, uh, 101 to Marquette. They did give that up once and 90 to Rice. So I'm going to say IU gets back uh, into triple figures after scoring uh, over 100 the first two games, but not since then. So I don't know if there's any promotion going on in Bloomington when uh, when the team gets that far. Perhaps even the great Tim Priller, he of the recent A plus uh, on this show can uh, hit the basket that puts him over the top. All righty, and for my bold prediction, uh, I'm going to say that Juwan Morgan will miss a shot. Uh, he is 12 for 12. I can't imagine that he will uh, that he will continue making every shot, uh, but I, I will, that won't actually be my bold prediction because that wouldn't be bold enough. I'm not Ryan, for goodness sakes. Uh, my bold prediction, my real bold prediction, uh, is going to go with Robert Johnson. And so I say that Robert Johnson will score in double figures, and that's not really that bold because he is Indiana's second-leading scorer at 12-plus points a game. Uh, but I think he'll score in double figures and also have more assists than turnovers. And that would be relatively bold because if you look at the numbers, uh, Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. combined have a negative assist-turnover ratio, which is obviously something that needs to improve. Uh, And both of those guys have higher turnover percentages than they have assist rates. Um, Now, obviously, Josh Newkirk is gobbling up a lot of the assists this year. He's leading the team in assist rate. Um, But I think uh, think this is a a game now as Indiana rounds into conference shape where I think we'll see them start to curtail some of those turnovers. And Robert Johnson has been a guy, you know, leading Indiana this year, and I think he'll help lead that charge and have more assists than turnovers in the game. So Ryan says that Thomas Bryant will get a double-double. 
Andy uh, says that Indiana will score 100 points. I say that Robert Johnson will score in double figures and have more assists than turnovers. Again, we want to know what your bold prediction is. Tweet us at Assembly Call uh, and let us know what your bold prediction is. Fellas, we've got about a minute left. Any uh, profound final thoughts to leave folks with for the week? Ryan, I suppose we owe you the floor here to end the bold prediction segment. Oh, I think I've said everything I need to say. Mm-hmm. I, I think people write the radio station, write your congressman, protest in the streets on behalf of me. This is absurd. I am being treated horribly. That's all I got. That's all, that's all he's got. All right. Andy, uh, real quick, Bracketology.fm, your new podcast. Um, in 30 seconds, why should people be listening to Bracketology.fm? Well, each week uh, I've got on some of the top bracketologists to get some of uh, their insight on just process and, and give people a little bit of glimpse into what actually goes on as, as these bracket projections are being made. And then each week we'll go over the uh, most important games from the week that was and what the impact of that's going to be on seating. And certainly um, I use win over North Carolina was a big topic last week and then uh, get a chance to look ahead to the big games uh, in the week to come. I can tell you already from looking ahead to the week after this one that there is not going to be a lot of big games to talk about <laughs> in the week uh, after this as most people are in finals. But uh, another good guest lined up and uh, a lot of good just general college basketball talk. Yep, and the IU's game against Houston Baptist is at 4 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday, December 10th on the Big Ten Network. Join us after that game uh, for the Assembly Call. And that will do it uh, for us on this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after the IU-Houston Baptist game for our post-game show. Or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Real estate agents can get full visibility into their client's loan status and help them get to closing faster with Rocket Pro Insight. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Offer cost information conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLS Consumer Access Network number 33. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.